Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Thank you, Father, for your word. Interest of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. In Jesus' name, amen. You're watching online, help me appreciate my man, Timo. Woo, ministering on those keys. Hallelujah. We're in the book of Colossians, been learning a lot of things. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae after I received reports from Epaphras that some people were introducing other things necessary for faith other than the knowledge of Christ. And so that's what we are committing ourselves to in this season. One of my favorite, I don't even know whether to call it favorite, but I don't know, how do I say this without lying? <clears throat> One of the seasons I look forward to most, the most in the year is season 21. <laughs> yeah. Either I look forward to it because of the dread <laughs> or, or something else. But it's a significant season in our lives and here at Worship Harvest. Season 21, for those who don't know, is when we take 21 days to fast and pray together. Now, it doesn't mean we only fast in season 21. We fast in other seasons as well. But that one is very significant because of so many things that happen. Now, one of the reasons I look forward to it, in spite of my fear and dread of it, is that it is my annual weight reprogramming system. Like, I know that whatever happens to the weighing scale, season 21 will correct it. Now, you all have your own weighing scales, and I don't know whether they speak the truth to you or not. In fact, one of my favorite season 21s was 2019 because by the time I was done with the Christmas festivities of 2018 and got into January, my weighing scale was reading 92 kilograms. 92 kgs. That's like two B3s. <laughs> and then... But here is a beautiful thing that happened. I remember that season 21 so much because by day of prayer, which was day 21, the weighing scale had gone down all the way to 82 kilograms. I'd lost 10 kgs in 20 days. <laughs> That's half a kilogram every day. So, last week, I happened to step on the weighing scale. And it read 91.2 kilograms. Ooh. I was like, Mose, what are you doing? Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Can't you control your eating? Oh, ah, ah. You know lockdown stuff? Typically, I eat two or one meal a day. One or two meals a day. And 
the way I do it is I keep myself busy in the morning so I miss breakfast. But now because of lockdown, I'm at home. And the way to my home office is past the kitchen. Stuff has been happening. Hallelujah. Oh, my mic, my mic needs fixing. Excuse us. We're good now. Yeah. So things have been happening. And so I step on this thing. It's 91.2. I panic. I refuse to eat dinner. I what? Started ordering soup for the evenings. And all of that. And all of you, I know you have your own New Year's resolutions which you made, which you have since dropped. Excuse us, okay? And what better excuse to drop those New Year's resolutions than lockdown? Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, that's not the point I'm here to make. The point I'm here to make is that I reached a point and realized I was starting to condemn myself. Condemnation kicked in, and I was starting to feel fake and feeling like a failure in that area of my life. Now, there are other areas of my life where I am strong. Savings, investments, financial disciplines, those ones I'm strong. In fact, there are so many areas where I'm strong. But that particular area has been weak, and yes, I still pray, I still fast, but somehow, uh, when I look at food, I get fat, I'm joking. <laughs> so, so I realized I was condemning myself, and I don't know about you, I don't know who you are and what it is that you're dealing with at home and what area you're dealing with. I remember Belinda Namtebi put it this way. She said she went to her wardrobe and realized that her clothes had shrunk. <laughs> I don't know whether your clothes are shrinking. I don't know where the weakness is. I don't know whether it's in your marriage. I don't know. But all of this stuff, by the way, it happens because of the expectations we allow the world to put on us. Now remember, the world has its expectations of you, but you don't have to accept them. Now, is weight loss, weight management a good thing? Yes, it is, and I'm working on it. <laughs> is having a wonderful marriage a good thing? It is, and I'm working on it. Is performance at work, financial management, and all of those good things? Yes, and you're working on it. The only problem happens when good things become ultimate things. When good things become ultimate things, we lose our way. When we start defining ourselves and finding our identity in what weight category you belong to, what you look like according to the standards of the world, what you have achieved, whether you have children or not, whether you're married or not, when we, when we allow the pressure that the world creates around us to start crushing us. I have a friend, she's here, right here in the studio. She can eat an elephant and remain the same size. 
She's like those seven cows that Pharaoh dreamt about because they ate the seven fat cows and remained thin. Now, when you start judging yourself against her, Ogenda Kuriari call up your car and you shrink, but being sad. So I'm saying all these are good things, but they shouldn't become ultimate things. When good things become ultimate things, we lose our way. Which good things in your life are trying to become ultimate things? And as a result, what pain are you experiencing? Because when we allow good things to become ultimate things, pain kicks in. Okay? He who finds a, a, a what? A wife finds a good thing, not an ultimate thing. Likewise, if, you've, if you are found by a husband, that's a good thing. It's not an ultimate thing. You can't allow your whole life to be pegged to marriage. Because even if you got married and it's wonderful, and then your, your whole investment is how people view you. You know, there's this thing between reputation and character. Reputation is you're trying to fix public opinion of yourself. There is a public opinion of every marriage. Some people think that some marriages are really wonderful. And, it, and those people whose marriages we perceive to be wonderful, if they got into trouble, it's so bad because then they will not talk to anyone because everyone expects their marriages to be wonderful. Now, your marriage being a wonderful marriage has become the ultimate thing. Children are gifts from the Lord. Gifts are not the ultimate thing. What am I saying? Has the good thing become the ultimate thing such that you've lost your way, you've lost your identity, you are sad? There is a hollow on the inside, even as there's a veneer that looks so good on the outside. Why? The good thing has become the ultimate thing. Now, we are not the first ones to experience this. The people in Colossae experience the same. And Paul writes in Colossians 2, verses 16 to 17. Let's read together. So let no one judge you in food or in drink, how appropriate, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, continue reading, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. We get into problems when you have a deeper relationship with the shadow than the person casting it. There are many good things that we do for our own good and our work with God. Important things like prayer, fasting, studying the word, practicing boundaries around what we eat, around who we relate with. And all these things ought to be as a result of our relationship with God. They shouldn't be what gives us access to God and what gives us relationship with God. So when good things become ultimate things, we lose our way. Romans 14, 3 to 6. Let him who eats this no, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Meanwhile, verse 12, which I deliberately left out, but I would like to dedicate it to my brother Chris Kawesa. Can you give me verse 12? Verse 12 for dedication. Chris Kawesa, this one is dedicated to Chris Kawesa. This one is dedicated to my wife Ari. Uh uh Sister Dana and Jeremy. So, so then each of us, no, 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 no. 
What's going on? Is, is that the same scripture? No, verse 2, not 12, 2. 2, 2, verse 2. Church again, Master. Verse 2, Romans 14. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. <laughs> Are you weak or strong? Anyway, please, uh, proper understanding of scripture. This is in relation, this is theological weakness, not. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go to the hard way. Let's go to verse three. Let's, let's stick with the program. Let, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another one's servant? To his own master, his son, so forth. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. Continue. One person esteems one day above another. Some people insist Saturday is the day. Others insist Sunday is the day. Others say church begins on Monday. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Rupert Asmeldenius said this in 1627, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity. In essentials, was Jesus born of a virgin? Did he die? Was he raised from the dead? You know, the Apostles' Creed. Those are essentials. There must be unity. In non-essentials, should women wear trousers? Should they do their hair? Should men have dreads? Huh? What else? Should we eat pork or not? In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, essentials or non-essentials, charity. Also love. For love covers a multitude of sins. So, the substance is of Christ. The substance is of Christ. Let's fix our eyes on Christ. Let's fix our eyes on Christ. Yes, you may be doing well in some things. Fix your eyes on Christ. You may be doing really badly in some areas. Still fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. Give me Philippians. Philippians 3.79, Paul talks about all his credentials. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, an Israelite, a Benjamite, circumcised the eighth day. He gives all his credentials spiritually. Why, Why God should have been privileged to call him? You know, some of us, we are like that. We are like, without me, because God is like I was born. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, yet indeed I also count all things. How many? All things loss. 
for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Other Bibles said dung, which is poor, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. In him. Not having my own righteousness based on what I've done right or wrong, which is from the law, but that which is through faith. In Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Amen. When good things become ultimate things, we lose our way. What is good in Moses' life that is becoming ultimate and therefore sucking the life out of me? Maybe for you, it is that career path. You've already designed it. You know at which position you will be in the company by which year when you transition to another business that's bigger and then the promotions that will happen and then when you transition and then how you will end up as CEO. Which is a good thing. Look, look, lack of ambition is terrible. Like, why are you here? But when that becomes the ultimate thing and then they promote someone else other than you. You're crushed. You are crushed because you were not promoted. How could they have promoted him or her over you? Because you have your plan. And apparently God is supposed to be obliging. That's when you say, God, how could you do this to me? God is not the one who writes appointment letters in your office. And then you stop going to church and you chuck people and you what? You cut a wire, you start drinking bitter stuff. I have a theory that the degree of sweetness or bitterness of what you drink determines the degree of sweetness or bitterness of your heart. Ah, it's just a theory. That's why children drink Fanta and Mirinda Fruity. Because their hearts are so innocent. You never found a, a, a kid saying, <coughs> or you know, you know my kids saying espresso, no sugar, no milk, no cocoa, and burns all its way down. Look, to be very non-essentials. Have you ever caught yourself doing the right thing while it sucks the life out of you? doing the right thing. Whatever they've asked you to do, you are doing it, but there is no life. Life, life. And you know, been there, done that. People find you and they're wondering what happened. You're trying to do the right thing. In your own power, you're not letting the power of Christ work in you. Let's go to verse 18 to 19. So it says, <laughs> so, so he says this so remember where I started like so let no one judge you in food or drink in regarding festival new moon sabbath which are shadow of things to come but the substances of Christ and then he says this let no one cheat you of your reward you have a reward and you could be cheated out of your reward your reward is Christ. Christ has been given to us as a gift. And everything he, he comes with is a gift. Think about it. 
Like in Christ, victory is a gift. Like whoever does that, like victory is a gift. Like they just tell you you've won. Like, really? Yeah. I, I wanted to fight. No, 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 no. Your fight is done. You've won. Take the belt. So he says we are more than conquerors. We are not conquerors. We are more than, the only person who is more than a conqueror is the one who got it without fighting. So he says, let no one cheat you of your reward. Let no one cheat you of your reward. In other words, you can be cheated of your reward. This is how. He says, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Very complicated scripture, this one. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with an increase that is from God. How are you going to be cheated? Getting into useless scriptural arguments that do not have any impact on how your life is right now. That don't have any impact on your relationship with God. The abomination of the desolation at the holy place. Who cares when Christ is coming? Look, he's coming. And he himself said, do not focus on when I'm coming. No one knows. Only the Father. And then people spend hours studying, trying to figure out prophesying, setting date. He's coming. Telling everyone, he's coming. Are you ready? He's coming. Look, the day I got into Christ, I got ready. Whether he comes now or 500 years from now, why? I'm already seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is to look at yourself in this world, operating from earth to heaven. Is heaven is being what? Carnally minded. When you're spiritually minded, you operate from heaven to earth. You look at your every environment as a candidate for heavenly invasion. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm preaching better than listening. So he says, you can be cheated. Get out of those arguments. Look at what he says here in, in, in Titus 3.9. He says, but avoid foolish disputes. Genealogies. 2020. Why 2K? Uh, what? What here? What here? Mubaza. Avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Question is, would you rather win an argument or make profit? <laughs> they are what? Unprofitable and useless. Many of you are involved in very many useless contentions and arguments. How about you do this? Join a missional community, go to a frontier and serve people. You will not need to argue when you get there and people really need help. You see, love needs no argument. The writer says, knowledge puffs up, but love covers the multitude of sins. So, what is the solution? He, said, he says in that verse, he says in verse 7, no, no. Verse 19. Verse 19. Take me back to Colossians 2.19. It says, And not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So what's the solution? To hold fast to the head. 
Blessed Ivan, come. Come with something that we can fight over. Ah, no, no, no. <laughs> something bigger. Bring a chair. No, a plastic chair. Leave that one. That one, we can't fight over that one. Okay? So he's saying we should what hold fast. Do you know what holding fast is means? Okunyueza. No letting go. No letting go. Okay? Holding fast to the head. Who is the head? Christ. Someone said, if you keep your eyes to the sun, you'll never see the shadows. You see, things are going to come. This is us. Stuff comes. Corona, lockdown, what? But what, what, what determines your success is what you're holding on to. And he says you should hold on to Christ with the head, not loosely, but rather fast. So we are going to assume that this is Christ, the head. Are you holding on? Yes. Are you holding fast? Yes. Are you holding fast yes. to the head? Yeah! Are you? You see what I mean? Thank you, Ivan. Let me ask you, is, would you describe your faith life like that? Would you describe, for some of us, one small offense and you're like, I'm no longer saved. Is that holding fast? One sickness comes, you pray three prayers, somehow they don't work, you don't get healed. Which doctor? Is that holding fast? Eh? Some of us, you haven't tithed all your life. Finally, B3 convinces you. You give your first tithe and you're like, God, if you don't multiply it by 10,000, we ain't doing this no more. Is that holding fast? Eh? Can you describe your faith life as one who is holding fast to the head? If you're not, you're going to be confused by the good things. The good things that we need to do to remain responsible, respectable citizens. But in a bid to fulfill those good things, you can lose your way when you not hold on to the ultimate thing. So it says, holding fast to the head, all right? So let's, let's go to verse 20, 22. Uh, and then it says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Okay? Do not touch. Do not taste. Do not handle. Which all, which all concern things which perish with are using according to commandments and doctrines of men. Give it to me in the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation. He says, for you were included in the death of Christ and have died with him to the religious system and powers of this world. Let me tell you, religion is bad. Religion is bad. It will suck the life out of you. In fact, I don't need to convince you. Just look at you. He says, don't retreat back to being bullied by the standards and opinions of religion. For example, there are strict requirements. You can't associate with that person. Don't eat that. 
You can't touch that. These are the doctrines of men and corrupt customs that are worthless to help you spiritually. Why? Religion tries to fix the outside of a man without focusing on the heart. Religion will dictate the length of the scattered church without focusing on the heart. Why is the, why is the person putting on that length? Religion will dictate what a person should dress like, what kind of hair they should have without focusing on the heart. The law will tell you not to commit adultery, but it can't teach you how to love your wife. The law will tell you not to steal, but it can't teach you generosity. The law will tell you not to covet your neighbors, whatever, but it can't teach you neighborliness. These things only Christ can do them when he transforms our hearts and changes our lives. Rules and regulations deal with the outside but cannot transform the heart. All the legislation in the world about racism and all the demonstrations on every street on the globe will not change the heart of racism in people's, people's lives. There is only one change agent that has been proven for 2,000 years now that can change a man and a woman from the inside to the outside. That a murderer becomes a proclaimer of the gospel. Without any laws, without any rules. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When good things become ultimate things, we lose our way. We start focusing on those good things and let go of the head, the ultimate thing with Christ. I don't know who is listening to me right now and what it is that you've allowed into your heart that has brought a, a coldness, a cooling down. Let me ask you, that stuff you like to do, does it actually enhance your love for Jesus? Because it focuses, forces it focus on yourself. You're like, oh, if I'm contributing, I could as well love myself. Like I said, you probably have already broken your New Year's resolutions, and like me, you may be falling back on some of your own personal targets, whether that's spiritual, work, economic, <laughs> marriage and key relationships, how you take care of your body. Can I tell you? You're going to be tempted to fall back to rules and regulations. Don't. They are not sustainable. That's why people go on a diet. Now, yet that day, they chop wires. Oh! So bring everything. I'm tired. Because, yeah, people, am I talking to anyone? Am I talking at all? Maybe to be called, you have a self Self this, self that, self that, self. Forget self. Fix your eyes on Jesus. One writer said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I don't know the next line. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Look. You are not saved by obedience. You're saved by grace through faith. And once you're saved by grace through faith, obedience is a result. 
Obedience is not the root. Obedience is the fruit of salvation. It's not the root of salvation. All the obedience you ever needed to do is cast yourself upon Jesus and say, here I am, a helpless sinner. Do something. That is the gospel. I know for many of you who like to achieve, it's not appealing to you. But you don't, even your achievements are seasonal. Like season 21. The weighing scale just keeps going up, up, up. Let's finish. 223. He says, these things indeed, these things, these things. He says, they have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility. Why is it that if you want to find the most unauthentic and genuine people, you have to go to church? I don't get it. We put on these masks, sing hallelujah, and pretend that everything is okay when there's no food at home. He says, first me to neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They are of no value. They are of no value. Only Christ can fix you and I. Only Jesus can fix this guy. Even the areas I'm strong, it is him who has given me the grace. He says that, for it is who works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Whatever it is that you're doing well, whether that's financially, your marriage, whether you are very disciplined, you have a disciplined prayer life, I don't. Whether you are very disciplined at fasting, studying the word, just remember. It is he who works in you to both will and to do according to his good pleasure. And if you're on the opposite scale of that, you're smoking stuff that makes you the most high, you're drinking stuff that... If you gave to a cat or dog at home, even it, it would be like, this is too much. You woke up this morning and you are wondering which bed it was you woke up in. I don't know what your life is. You can't fix yourself. Only Christ can fix you. And you may be wondering, okay, Mose, I'm convinced. Life sucks, I've failed. What do I do? And I'm like, Christ can fix it. You're like, how does he do that? Through his word. John 15, 3 says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What cleanses you? The word. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then he says, he says in, in, in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Huh? Next that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. By the word. By the word. By the word. Get your Bible, dust it off, download new version, start in the book of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not resist it. it comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The word, 
Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Please, Tim, come that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. All right? He says, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. It's the word, my brother, my sister. Stop trying. Pick up that word. Many books inform, but the Bible transforms. Many books inform, but the Bible transforms. Yes, you are in lockdown. Yes, you have a lot of time and a lot of data. You're spending hours on social media. How about you dedicate some time to the word of God? For the entrance of his word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. The word of God will never leave you the same. I am not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I know how God has changed my life through his word. And that's the invitation that we are making to you today. Embrace the word of God. But the word of God can't work for you if, first of all, you haven't embraced Christ himself. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the son of God. He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And says, if you eat of me and drink of me, you will have life. The Bible declares that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Some of you think it is God who brought coronavirus. No, God is not the thief. God is the one who brings the solution. He says, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. God is inviting you right now. My brother, my sister, I invite you right now in the name of Jesus to receive him today. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Don't put it off for the afternoon. Don't think about it anymore. Wherever you are right now, I'm going to count to three and I need you to put up your hand and receive Jesus. One, two, three, put it up right there where you are. Yes, yes, God sees that hand. I don't see it where I am, but God sees it. You're not committing to me, you're committing to God. And like me, you probably have tried in your own effort. Well, I don't know what it is that you're trying to accomplish in your own effort. But you know your own disappointments. You know your own failures. I don't need to retell them to you. And there is one who forgives you completely and receives you totally without any precondition. And says, come my daughter, come my son. I'll love you. We all know that as human beings, we don't love our children based on what they do. We love them because they are our children. That's the same thing with God. Once you become his, he'll love you because of who you are. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus. I come to you today. I give my life to you. Take my life. Do something with it. Heal me. Save me. Thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you. I'm born again. I belong to you now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and teach me to walk this new majestic victorious life until I see it working out. In Jesus' name, amen. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555. 